0: Colossians chapter 3, verses 20 and 21. Yeah, stand for me if you want to. If you you can't or would not like to, that's fine too. But if you want to stand, we're going to read just two verses here. Here we go. Children, obey your parents in everything, for this pleases the Lord. Fathers, do not provoke your children, lest they become discouraged. Father in heaven, we thank you for uh, this text, and we thank you for godly mothers. We thank you for godly fathers. We thank you, Father, for um, the opportunity to be a part of the kingdom and to be a part of the lives of others and bringing them to Christ and being a part of your mission. God, I, I pray for the children of this church that you would teach them to obey. God, I pray for the parents of this church that, you would empower them to instruct and to love in a way that honors you in a way that helps their children to live out their command in Jesus name amen okay if you can have a seat so let's get a little review on colossians chapter 3 cuz i want to see i want to show you how this fits together okay so colossians 3 is all about how we become more and more like Jesus, all right? So it begins in verse one by saying, if you are a Christian, if you are joined to the resurrected Jesus Christ, then you gotta realize some realities about yourself. You need to realize that you, the old you is dead. You died with Christ. The new you has been raised up, has been raised up to live with Christ, to be joined to his resurrection life. The spirit of God dwells within you you now have the power to be different okay and so what verse one is doing is saying you need to continually lift your eyes heavenward not just like one time but like every day so you ought to appropriate the gospel each day what does that mean that means every day you ought to say okay you know, here, here's me, here's what I'm doing. I'm waking up in the morning and I'm saying, all right, the old Jason is dead. The old Jason is gone. The guy that was, was angry, the guy that was, was this or that or fleshly or sinful, that guy is dead. He's buried with Jesus. He is raised up now. I'm connected to Christ's life. I have Jesus and he is better okay? He's better than anything I'm tempted with. He's better than my selfish ambition. He's better than my vengeance. He is better than my angry tirade. Jesus is better. That's what verse one tells us. You're joined to Jesus and he's better. Okay, that's the bedrock of how we fight against sin. How we fight against sin is by knowing that Christ is all we need. He is better than anything we're tempted with. And so I choose Jesus. Remember that our illustration was the only way to not be tempted to eat an Oreo is to have a better dessert all the time, all right? You've got something better than sin can offer you. You've got Christ. And so verse 1 says, lift your eyes to things above. Now, in the rest of the passage, the last couple weeks we've been working through, he says, "All right, since you're going to lift your eyes to things above, you're going to put away, you're going to put away the old you." And so for the first week, we looked at sexual morality, sensuality, covetousness, which is idolatry. Paul says, that's not you anymore. You know what you have in Christ is better, so you're going to put that off. You're going to put that to death. And then he said, the next week was anger and malice and slander. You're going to put that away. You're not going to be an angry person because you have something better in Christ. All right, now, the passage continues to work through those things. Next week, we're going to look at forgiveness, but we're going to jump forward to the family. Now, why does Paul begin talking about the family at this point in Colossians? You know why? Because fighting against sin is lived out first in your family. You know what marriage is all about? Marriage is all about fighting against your own sin. I don't know about you guys, but 100% of the relationship problems that M and I have dealt with have been due to either my or her sin or both of our sins that's why people have relationship problems, that's why we get angry, that's why, that's why we have conflict, that's why we hold grudges, it's because of our sin. And so in a very real way, marriage has been the chief arena in which I have lived out Colossians chapter three, in which I have set my mind on things above and said, Jesus is better, I'm not that guy anymore, I'm trusting him, I'm trusting his word, I'm trusting his way, and he's better, and so I'm, I'm gonna put to death my sin, and I'm gonna cling to his righteousness. Parenting. Parenting is all about putting to death your own sin, being a child, putting to death your own sin, and trusting Jesus Christ. And so all of this is lived out in the family. That's the context in which Colossians chapter 3 occurs. Now, our verse 20 is where we're going to start. Children, obey your parents in everything, for this pleases the Lord. Now, the first thing we have to understand is that parents are given to you by God for your good. And it is on you because of the fifth commandment in the Ten Commandments, number five, it is on you for their entire life. As long as your mother is alive, as long as your father is alive, it is upon you from God that you honor them, that you treat them with importance, that you find ways to show them that they are important in your life. Now, while you are in their home, while you are under their authority, while you are still a dependent From them, It is also on you to obey them. And the Bible says that tremendous blessing will come to the child who learns obedience to his mom and dad. Let me walk you through a few passages in the book of Proverbs. Proverbs 1, 8 and 9 says, Hear, my son, your father's instruction, and forsake not your mother's teaching. They are a graceful garland for your head and pendants for your neck. The way I've tried to explain this to the kids this morning is, what what he's saying is when you obey your mom and dad, it's it's like you get the first place trophy. It's like you've got the the the, the first gold medal around your neck. It, it 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 ornaments your life. All right, obeying your mom and dad. Now let's keep going. Chapter six, verse twenty through twenty two. My son, keep your father's commandments and forsake not your mother's teaching. Bind them on your heart always. Tie them around your neck. When you walk, they will lead you. When you lie down, they will watch over you. And when you awake, they will walk with you. The Bible is saying when you learn obedience to your parents, that's going to follow you the rest of your life. It's going to provide blessings and care and watch care and, and protection the rest of your life. Look at chapter 7. I, I really like this one. Verse 1 and 2, Proverbs. My son, keep my words and treasure up my commands with you. Keep my commands and live and live. We're, we're going we're to finish with that one because he's basically saying keeping your mom and dad's commands is life or death for you. That's how important it is. Now it would be we'd be amiss if we did not talk about the foundation of parenthood. You were created in such a way where God gave you a mother and he gave you a father. Okay? You know, God could have created you anyway. Uh, we, we can prove that through the scriptures. Genesis chapter 1 and 2 tells us that God can make people from dirt, right? I mean that, that's Adam, right? How'd God make Adam? Dirt. You know, how'd God make an eat? God make e-? from a rib. I mean, God spoke the universe, the galaxies into existence. That's not hard. But what the truth is, is that God chose to give you a mother. Everybody in this in this room, you were formed in the womb of God. Of your mother. You were knit together in her womb. You were held and protected and nurtured and supplied with everything you needed for life by your mother. And then through pain and agony and great risk to her own life, you were screamed into this world. And even then, as you were born, you're born completely helpless to care for yourself. At this point, some of you were adopted by a mother which for your mother, let, let me just just lay that out for you, in most cases is like putting your heart out on a table and letting it get smashed repeatedly until you're finally hers. At great risk, she wanted you more than her own life. She brought you into her life, into her family, into her, her home forever and gave you all the rights and privileges of being a son or a daughter. God has given you a mother and that is a precious gift. A mother who sacrificed her health and her own body, her sleep, her comfort, her time, her own pursuits in order to pour her life out for you, in order to protect you and to educate you and to nurture you and to provide an environment where you would thrive. Lincoln Avenue Baptist Church supports four orphanages in India. I have visited those orphanages on numerous occasions. I've seen what it's like when children do not have a mother. And if you're here today, you need to know It's a precious gift to have a mother. To be given the reality that you weren't worried about your next meal or your health or your future, but rather you were fed and clothed and cleaned and encouraged and transported and chauffeured and enrolled and defended and discipled and comforted and laundered and doctored and loved. You should thank God for your mom. But here's here's a step up, all right? Not Not all of you had what I'm about to say next, but those of you who did, how dare you ever take this for granted? Others of you were given a believing mother. You were given a mother who is joined to the resurrected life of Jesus Christ. You were given a mother who is indwelt by the Spirit of God. You are given a mother who is waging war on her own sin and on your sin. You are given a mother who is a praying mother. A mother who taught you scripture, who prayed for you and and with you and over you, who taught you to pray. A mother who laid her hand on her womb and pled with the God of heaven for your soul from the moment she discovered that you were living inside of her. You cannot comprehend the benefit that you've been given. Not everybody has that. Not everybody gets that. And I was hard on the kids of our church here this morning. I said, look, I even pointed some of them out in the last service. I said, I know you have that kind of mom. Man, how dare you ever, ever not realize the greatness of what you've been given in a godly mother. Warren Wearsby tells the story of John H. Starkey. John H. Starkey was a notorious criminal. He ended up murdering his own wife, being convicted for the crime and executed. Somebody's got to do this guy's funeral. So they ask the Salvation Army guy, General William Booth, to do the funeral of this wicked murderer. Booth gets up in the pulpit and he looks out and all he sees is angry faces. The guy didn't have any people that love him there. he just got people that want to make sure he's dead. So his first words were these. John H. Starkey never had a praying mother. Do you see the gift of that? Do you see what you've been given that this guy didn't? What a a priceless thing. Some of you should realize that this morning. And so, because of that, because of the gift of motherhood, disobedience to parents is a mark of the ungodly and the wicked. Man, I I want our kids at church to know that. We, We talked about that in every service you need to know, if you claim to be a believer in Jesus Christ and are at the same time rebellious against your parents, it, it, the reality is you're probably not a believer. Because the Bible says over and over again, Romans 1 is a great example of this. Romans 1, the whole chapter is about the nature of sin. The nature of sin is this, people don't want God. That, that's the nature of sin. People people exchange God. I, I'm not interested in you. I don't I don't want you. And those people have common characteristics. And so, verse 30, where that ends is here. He says, he gives a list. slanderers, haters of God, insolent, haughty, boastful, inventors of evil, disobedient to parents. I think when a lot of people read that, that, that passage, that, that one jumps out as like, that shouldn't be, you know. That, that's a little too harsh. But the Bible says, the child who is habitually disobedient to his parents, that is a mark of ungodliness. That's a mark of not honoring God, not respecting God. When you can't obey the authority that God has placed over you, it's, it's very unlikely you're ever going to obey God. A verse I taught my kids since they were little, partly because it's just a cool verse, you know. It's one of those that gets kids' attention. Sometimes when you read a verse to kids and their eyes are glazing over, you know, you got to find one of these. you got to find one of these that's interesting to them. So Proverbs 30, 17 says, "The eye that mocks a father, and scorns to obey a mother, will be picked out by the ravens of the valley and eaten by the vultures." <laughs> teach your kids that verse. And the cool thing is, after you, after you, if you teach them enough, does Kai know that? Kai needs to know that verse, you know, because when when you teach them enough, you don't even have to refer to it anymore. Like all I gotta do with my kids is I just go. Coc-coc! You know, I kind of look up, you know, they know. Now, is the Bible saying that literally, you know, you mock your dad, you scorn your mother, you know, Raven's going to come down, pull your eye out and eat it. I I think what the Bible is saying is if you live that kind of life, you're going to die a miserable death. That's really what it's saying. And that's 100% true. You live that kind of life, your death will not be a happy one you will not be going someplace happy. This is serious stuff. So, let's get into it, okay? Talk to the kids first. Verse 20, Children, obey your parents in everything, for this pleases the Lord. Now, notice the in everything is what we're going to struggle with, right? And so, I have kids ask, mostly teenagers, you know, isn't there an exception for that? Okay, here's the reality. Most of the time, no. You know, did you notice that Paul gives no exception here? Why? Because he's writing to a church. I'm preaching to a church. So we're assuming that a large number of you, at least, are people who are joined by faith to Jesus Christ. And so with those kind of parents, it's very unlikely that there will be an exception. My dad was not saved until he was 28. I was eight years old. But I, I thought about this. I look back at my life. I, there was never one exception to this. Never one scriptural exception to this in my upbringing. So I, I never had one. In other words, everything that my parents ever told me, it was right and good for me to obey. It was, un, it was on me. To not obey them would have been sin. All right? Now, to keep me from getting letters this week, let's, let's go ahead and talk about could there be an exception? Yes, yes. And, and so let, let's just lay it out there. Kids, if, if your mom and dad are sexually abusing you, if they're physically abusing you, then for your mom and dad's own good, you you should tell somebody. You should tell your pastor. You should tell your Sunday school teacher. You should tell your teacher at school. You should tell your principal. A- absolutely. You, you should not just think, God wants me to bear up under that and I need to be obedient. No, not at all. You know, If your mom pulls up beside Stock Exchange Bank, gets a 45 out of the glove compartment, you know, shows you how to load it and says, I want you to go in, shoot Jim Tread away, get the money and get out to the car. Okay. If, if that happens, kids, if that happens, what you should say is mom and dad, I don't think Jesus wants us to do that. I really think we need to obey Jesus. I need to obey Jesus, mom. Where do I get that? Acts chapter 5, verse 29, Peter and John are, are faced with this government that, that incarcerates them and tells them, all right, we'll let you go, but you can't ever talk about Jesus again. You can't ever tell anybody about Jesus again. Deal? And you know what they say? They say, look, we want to submit to you. We want to submit to the government. We believe that's our responsibility, but we must obey God rather than men. In other words, when the command of God meets the command of man and they're in opposition, you you, you got to choose your heavenly Father. And so that's what I would say to a kid. Here's the reality. That's probably not going to happen in any of your families, okay? Um, if you're thinking about the bank deal, please see me afterward. You know, we'll, let's talk this through. Um, we'll, we'll see what we can do to help you out. Uh, Listen, it's probably not going to happen, right? But what does happen all the time, and and, and it's really good for us to address this this morning, is I have teenagers come in, and, and they'll admit, okay, what mom and dad are asking me to do, it is not unscriptural, but it is ridiculous, okay? I hear that all the time. It's ridiculous, all right? So let's talk about the ridiculous. So let's say your dad tells you you can't wear a ball cap. You can't ever wear a ball. Ball caps are bad, you know. Ball caps are the devil, and you can't ever wear one. And you're like, that's ridiculous, Dad. You know, I'm a first baseman on the Woodward High School ball team, and you're telling me I'm going to be the only kid out there without a hat on. And your dad's like, yep. And you're like, that's ridiculous. Maybe your mom tells you iTunes in Hebrew means the highway to hell. You're never going to get on iTunes. You're you're never you're ne- you can't do that, mom. All the other kids are getting music off iTunes and videos, and you can't do it. Maybe your dad tells you you can't watch sports on TV. You just can't do it. We're not we're not going to have sports on our TV. You're not going to watch it. And you're like, Dad, that's ridiculous. Okay, so what about the ridiculous? Well, a couple things here. There will come a day, very soon, by the way. There will come a day when every kid gets to decide those things for himself. Every kid gets to decide whether they wear a ball cap. You know that there's going to come a day where that you get to do that. Now listen, it's it's never it's never going to come a day when you don't have to honor your mom and dad. I'm 45 years old. I honored my mom and dad this morning. I call them, I call them at 7 a.m. on Sunday morning every week. It's one of the ways that I I've just found that, that can honor them. Now, there's lots of other ways, but when I think about honoring my mom and dad, I think about what shows them that they're important, what shows them that I regard them highly. That's one of the, one of the things I do. Uh, for Emma's mom, uh, I write her letters. I don't hardly write anybody else letters. A few people, I, I I do write some, but I write her letters consistently. You know why? She loves it. It makes, it makes her feel important. She, she's a letter writer herself, and so I, I write her letters. I write them letters, write her cards, send a mail. I, that, that's always on you, kids. That, that, as long as you live, you are scripturally commanded by God to honor your parents. But there's going to come a day where you, you leave your mom and dad, and you cleave to your husband or wife, and you create a new family. And you're out from under their authority. There's going to come a day where maybe, maybe you get on your own and you've got your own job and you've got your own place and you're living on your own authority. Listen, at that point, you don't have to obey them. You get to, you get to decide ball caps, iTunes, and sports on your own, you know, before God. You're still accountable to God, but you get to decide them on your own. That day's going to come, okay? But until then, you have to obey even the ridiculous. A couple other things. Ridiculous is a relative term. I was about 16 years old, and I was hanging out with the wrong people. I was a lost kid. I didn't know Jesus. I was constantly in trouble. And I remember asking my mom and dad if I could drive with my buddy, who was just as much a reprobate as I, if I could drive four and a half hours to Wichita, Kansas, and go to a White Snake concert. Get home about four in the morning. That was a no the most ridiculous thing I'd ever heard in my life <laughs> absolutely ridiculous if my mom and dad were here they're not but if they were here I would publicly thank them for probably saving my life because um, I know what we were going to do on the way and I know what we we're going to do all the way back and I know how irresponsible we were and I know that that's a really bad idea so what was once ridiculous I would now thank my mother and father for making the absolute right decision Ridiculous is a relative term. We, in the 20 years that we've been here and been parenting our kids, we've had people tell us that M&I standards on certain things are ridiculously strict. And then at the same time, interestingly enough, we've had people tell us that our standards on other things are ridiculously loose. So I'm not sure which ridiculous we are. We're just ridiculous, you know. <laughs> which is a dangerous thing to criticize other people's parenting. I, I just don't think you should do that. Now, you should, you should hold to the Scriptures, but everybody's going to make their own way about phones and sports and dances and all those things, right? Those fall into our 1 Corinthians 14 area. Remember how we went through gray areas and how we decide those? All right? But ridiculous is a relative term. But let's let's just go ahead and play this deal all the way out. Let Let's just say that what your parents are asking you to do is... Affirmed by everybody in this church as being ridiculous. So we have a vote. You you write it down on a card, and I go in each service, 830, 945, and eleven, and I say, okay, I just need to ask you guys something. This is going to be anonymous, so you're not picking on anybody's parenting. But what do you think about you know this? And I read it. You know, a parent is asking, is telling their kid that they must do or not do this. Who thinks that's ridiculous? At the end of the day, at the end of Sunday morning, here's the way it comes out. Four hundred and ninety eight people said that's ridiculous there were two votes saying that's not ridiculous. Guess who those two votes were? Your mom and dad, all right? So so basically we have a situation where all four pastors, all the Sunday school teachers, all the deacons, all the small group leaders, everybody in this church affirms, man, that's kind of ridiculous. What should you do? That's easy. You should absolutely obey your mom and dad. Why? For your own good. For your life, for your blessing, for your prosperity, so that things will go well for you. You understand that? Like like you obeying a ridiculous command of your mom and dad, again, as long as it's not unscriptural, okay? For you to do that is your own blessing. Why? A couple reasons. Verse 20. Children, obey your parents in everything, for this pleases the Lord. It pleases the Lord. Now, I think we got to start here. Do you care about that? Like when you think about, okay, my mom and dad asked me to do something ridiculous, and everybody else says it's ridiculous. Everybody I've talked to says it's ridiculous. And I say, well, yeah, but for you to do that, for you to obey and submit yourself under that authority, that pleases God. Do you care about that? Do you care about God looking down and saying, yep, you're my guy. You're my gal. Good job. Listen, if you don't care about that, there's something up, okay? There's something wrong. You know, you know I, we, we all have this We all have this happen to us. There are certain people in our life that we really care about what they think. We really care about pleasing them. There are other people in our life we could care less, right? Right? Like, you may never see them again. You may, you know, it's a person on the toll booth you're trucking through on the interstate somewhere up north, you know, and you go through and you got your money and you're picking your nose, you know, and you're like, yeah, you know, But you don't care. You know, you're not ever going to see them again. You don't care what they think. All right, but there's other people in your life you really care about. What's the difference? Four things or four categories. I would say this. The people that you really care about pleasing are the people that you respect, admire, and enjoy. Okay. Number two, they're the people you have a relationship with. Number three, they're the people that you see as having invested much in you. And number four, they're the people that you believe you have a future with. Okay? I think those four categories of things are what determine whether we care about pleasing somebody. All right, so let's take those and let's, let's apply them to God. So do you respect, admire, and enjoy God? Do you have a relationship with him? Do, do you see that he has invested much in you? And then the final thing. Do you believe you have a future with him? Now, if yes, then you'll care about pleasing him. You should care about pleasing him. Number two, why should you obey the ridiculous commands of your parents? Number two, that it may go well with you and that you may live long in the land. Now, where am I getting that? Well, just go back a couple pages in your Bible. So just turn back, go through Philippians. It's a really short book. And the next book is going to be Ephesians, all right? Now, Ephesians chapter 6, Ephesians chapter 6, has a, has a parallel passage to the one we just read, but it adds something, and that's what I want to read to you, okay? So Ephesians 6, 1 through 4 says this, Children, obey your parents in the Lord, for this is right. Honor your father and mother. This is the first commandment with a promise, that it may go well with you, and that you may live long in the land. All right, and, and so... So again, again, honoring your mom and dad is different than obeying them, all right? So, so what, what, what Paul's doing here in Ephesians, he's going back and he's grabbing one of the Ten Commandments, the Fifth Commandment, and he's saying, all right, when you honor your father and mother, there is a particular blessing that comes with that, all right? Now, that, that is for you the rest of your life. That is for me the rest of my life. I will always have to, as long as my parents live, I will need to, to honor them, and God will bless my efforts, Okay? But if you're a child here this morning, still under your parents' authority, honor and obey are really the same thing. Did you understand what I'm saying? Like, like to honor your parents for you means to obey them, all right? And so, so the blessing comes along with it. Now, now what is the blessing? It's that you may live long in the land, um, that it may go well with you and you live long in the land. Now, does is, is that mean, you know, anybody who obeys and honors their parents are going to live to be 105 um, you would obviously give probably examples where that didn't happen or where some wicked person who, who, who didn't honor or obey their parents lived a long life. I don't, I don't think it's a lifespan indicator. I, I think if we go back into Exodus, what, what were they talking about? Well, God gives these Ten Commandments, and the, the children of Israel are about to go into the Promised Land, right? They're about to get their own land and be, be God's people. And God tells them that when there's a generation that obeys and respects their parents, that will be a generation that also obeys and respects God, Right? And that generation will have the blessing and protection of God upon them. Now, when there's a generation that does not, that that, that rebels against their parents, that does not obey their parents, does not honor their parents, that's a generation that will not honor or obey God, and God will remove his hand of blessing from them, and they'll be overtaken by their enemies. And if you've ever read your Old Testament, that exact thing happens, right? I mean, while Israel obeys and respects God, they have the protection of God. When, when they don't, that, that protection is taken away. Now, what's interesting is Paul takes that from the Old Testament and he imports it into the church in the New Testament, right? So he's writing to the church at Ephesus here in Ephesians 6. And so, so that would apply to the church in Woodward in 2017. We're, we're the same as Ephesus. And so what, what Paul is saying is, children, when you honor Your mom and dad, which for little children, for children in the home, teenagers, that means obey. When you do that, there is a blessing of prosperity, a blessing of well-being, a blessing of things will go well with you. You will have God's protection. You will have God's hand upon you in many ways, which is a huge reason for you to obey your parents. All right, kids, you can stop listening. Adults, you need to start, okay? Now, parents, is there anything here for us? Absolutely. Why? Because you're in charge of your kids. All right? So when God when God commands your children to obey, he is, he is implying that you are commanded to see to it that your children obey. When you realize the gravity of, 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 of what, the urgency of what is being commanded here, the the impact upon their life, remember, ka 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 right? The impact upon their life, right? The blessings that will come with obedience, the curses that will come with disobedience, the trouble, the, the relationship chaos, the difficulty, the strain, the struggle that's gonna come from kids who are not disobedient to their parents. And, and I don't think I need to give examples. Just think in your head. There are thousands of them. It's urgent. And so mom and dad We have a responsibility here. What is our responsibility? Well, there's two parts to it. First of all, you've got to give them something to obey. And let's be more specific. You need to give them the right things to obey. You know what's really, really dangerous as a mom and dad? It's really dangerous to be all about rules, but none of them have anything really to do with God, right? So you you got, dude, you're going to take your shoes off before you come in this house. You're not going to track mud through the kitchen, okay? And when you go to the bathroom... Lift the seat, right? If you don't lift the seat, of you, you're going to be cleaning, you're going to have punishment, right? It's real easy to have all of those commands. And they're not bad, and you, and your kids should obey them according to God. But you know what's even better? What's even better is when you're a mom or a dad who's gone into the Word of God and you've you've taken out the commands of God, the character of God, the intention of God, and and you have taught them to your kids. That's your mission. Mom and dads, your mission is to enable your kids to understand what does God come in? What does God expect? The truth and wisdom of the word of God. Don't be a parent who you raise your kids all the way up and you raise them to be good people. You raise them to stop at stop signs and not drive over 65 on the highway. And you, you raise them to open the door for a lady. And you raise them to take their shoes off before they go in the house. And you raise them to say yes ma'am and yes sir. But you don't ever teach them anything about what God expects. Don't don't do that. Second, you must not only teach them to obey what God expects, but you must also discipline them to help them obey. Now, why do you need to help them? Well, you need help, right? I mean, last week's sermon was on anger. Did all of you knock it out of the park 100% this last week? Huh? Probably not. You know why? Because we're sinners. We're bent the wrong way. And, and you know what you did to your kids? You gave them that, right? You know, you, get, you gave them the receding hairline, and you also gave them sin, all right? Good job. Way to go. You, you passed that on. You, they're broken. And so when your, guy little, when your little guy rebels, you know why he's doing that? Because he's a sinner. You know what he needs? He needs you to help him. He needs you to tell him very clearly what God expects and why God expects that. And then you need to come alongside with discipline and then you need to make sure you help him to obey. If you don't do that, let, let me just read you what the Bible says about that. Proverbs 13, 24, Whoever spares the rod hates his son, but he who loves him is diligent to discipline him. The, the Bible says that if, if you do not give effort and energy to making sure that your kids obey, you don't really love them. You may love yourself, you may love your comfort, you may but but you don't really love them. Now, in matters of discipline, in matters of the rod, be careful, parents. Your motivation cannot be you're angry, right? Now, there, there are things about parenting that, that cause anger, right? When the, when the little one that you have fed and clothed and gave birth to turns around, looks you in the face, and directly defies you, it's tempting to be angry, and it's tempting to discipline out of anger. That, that is not what the Bible's commanding you to do. Okay, when, whenever, whenever you're infuriated at what just happened, and so you go and discipline, you did, not, you did not carry out your biblical responsibility. What you did was not control your anger. What did we learn about anger last week? Uh, what was that quote we used? That um, ang- anger is, is whenever something you love has been threatened. Well, in that case, what you love is your own pride, right? Your own honor. And, and it got threatened. And so you're acting out of sin. Right? And so last week's message would come into play here. Put away your anger. Put it away. Lift your eyes to things above. Trust, trust Christ for something better. Your motivation can't be you make me angry. Your motivation can't be... You 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 inconvenience me, you frustrate me. Right? I, I know it's frustrating. You, you, put, you put five things in the cart, you know, you turn around to go back and get some soup, you ten things are out of the cart, you know? I mean, that, that's frustrating. But that can't be your motivation to discipline. You, you can't discipline because you're embarrassed. You know, you embarrass me in public, you embarrass me in my small group, you embarrass me in church. That that can't be the reason that you discipline. The reason you discipline has got to be because I love you. And I want you to obey God. A couple things that maybe will help you. Two things. Be intentional, okay? Be intentional. There is a ton of stuff that is caught by kids. Man, they just, they just pick it up. They see how you treat other people. They see how you handle conflict. They see your habits. And man, they just pick that stuff up. Absolutely, absolutely. But, but folks, please understand, there are a lot of things that are not caught you you got to set them down and tell them. Th- this is really what divides a good parent from a great parent. Okay, There are a lot of good parents. There are a lot of godly people who absolutely live out the gospel. They live it out in the way they treat their spouse. They live it out in the way that they they treat the waitress. They live it out in the... In the th- they, they, they do a great job in modeling the gospel. But oh, if they would have just taken up what the Bible says and gone that extra step and had some really pointed conversations about truth with their kids. You would not believe how many Christian families that never happens. I've taken polls and man up before. Last year, I think we took one of these. We talked about how many of your dads, and these are grown men, you know, how many of your dads ever talked to you about sexual relationships, about, you know, treating a woman, you know, as, as the Bible commands you to treat her, you would not believe the few hands that went up. And a lot of them say, man, my dad was so good to my mom. He loved her. He would not allow us to disrespect her. But honestly, we never sat down. He never, he never told me those things. He never told me what the Bible says. So there's an intentionality. There's a, a systematic intentionality, being thorough Have you talked to your kids about sex and immorality and debt, co-signing, the words you speak, anger, justice, poverty, riches, laziness, diligence, relationships, discipline, marriage, grief, friendship, pride, humility. Have you had those conversations with your kids? And I don't know if a lot of you are saying, come on, pastor. How how often does that come up? Here's your ace in the hole right here. Book of Proverbs. If you have a Bible, a whole Bible, this will be in it. If you don't have a Bible, we'll give you one, okay? But the book of Proverbs, we did this last summer. If you will read through the book of Proverbs with your kids, with your family, I would advise doing this actually hundreds of times, <laughs> but certainly, you know, 10 times while your kids are growing up. If you'll read through this with them, all of those issues will come up. Like like this, it, it's, it's an incredible book. You're saying, well, how did that happen? Well, the book of Proverbs is a father teaching his son wisdom. That, that, that's what this is meant to do. It's meant to help you parent. That's what the book of Proverbs is. It's Solomon saying, all right, my son, my daughter, you know, do this. Here's what you should think about relationships. Here's what you should it." So you got an ace in the hole. I'm not saying you have to do it that way. But I'm saying if you struggle with, how's co-signing ever going to come up, you know, in the in the conversation? Well, it probably won't, you know. And by the way, you don't need to have that conversation with your three-year-old. But your 17-year-old, he probably needs to know about that. He probably needs to know about attaching yourself to somebody else financially. The book of Proverbs covers it. Be systematic. Now, finally, and we'll be done here. I know Mother's Day lunch coming up. All you guys spent all morning cooking for your wives. So good of you. The rest of you all see at Subway. <clears throat> What I'm doing probably. <laughs> Final thing. Demanding obedience is not harsh strictness. So when some people hear parents, it's on you to to make your kids obey. You, they automatically are like, all right, I'm gonna go get my my flashlight. So I'm gonna go get my stick. That's part of it. But listen, verse 21 says, "Fathers, do not provoke your children lest they become discouraged." You can make it either a lot easier for your kids to obey or you can make it a lot harder for your kids to obey. I want you to make it a lot easier. Man, I have a hard time obeying Jesus. I don't want anybody making that harder on me. Why would you want to make it harder on your kids? So don't don't provoke them to discouragement. Real quickly, when you love your kids, and I think everybody would say you love them, when you like them, when you hang out with them, when you play with them, when you laugh with them, you make it easier for them to obey. Those are incredibly valuable things. Stephen Cole, he's a pastor I read out of Flagstaff. He he said this. He said his dad always said this. He said his dad always said, if you don't play with your kids, you probably don't have the right to discipline them. Now, I don't agree with that biblically from the standpoint of it's on you to discipline your kids. It's on you to teach your kids. But, but his point was this. You're going to have a hard time doing that effectively unless you've built a good relationship with them. And, and so when you don't listen to them, when you're too busy for them, when you're inconsistent, one day you demand this, the next you do this, when there's a lack of affirmation, a lack of encouragement, when, when, when you're that dad that your boy hits a triple, And as soon as he gets back to the dugout, you yell from the the stands, you know what, if you'd have rounded first like I taught you, you'd have made it all the way home. When you're that guy, you just make it harder on him. You make it harder on him to obey. When you're always comparing him to other kids, man, I, I have seen families who otherwise would have had good kids, I think, implode because their parents had a horrible habit of always pointing out the other kids that were doing it better. Man, don't don't make it harder for your kids to obey. It is it is on them from God to obey, no matter what. But you can either make that easier, or you can make that harder. Make it easier. Make it easier. Let's pray together. Father in heaven, we uh, we come to you, Father, just asking for just a load of your grace this morning. Father, it's really important to us. That we get this family thing right. God, it's important to us that we we learn to honor our father and mother. It's important to us that we have kids that learn to obey for their own good, for their blessing, for their welfare, for their joy. And so, Father, I pray that you would help us to do that well. You help us to encourage each other well. Lord, I think of the the babies that were dedicated this morning. I pray especially for their parents. Lord, we we see our responsibility there that we might Come alongside other parents and pray for them and encourage them. Not be critical. God, help us to do this right at Lincoln. Father, I ask it in Jesus' name. Amen.